All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Tabby Ramshack. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. Well, the Oilers lost a game, so Aaron, bring up the Macklin Celebrini Photoshop. We're back, everybody. Let's get into it with the lead. You know, it's not like this fan base to totally melt down after the team loses their first game in 49 days. It had been 40 or 48 days, whatever. It had been a long time since the Oilers lost. And I'm just going to come on and say it. I think we might have forgotten how to lose as a fan base in terms of our reaction. We're going to get into it today. Yes, dirty coal miner in the chat. The Oilers are 16 and one in their last 17 games. Come on. There's nothing to be that upset about. The sun still came up. This morning, welcome into Oilers Nation every day with me, Tyler Uremchuk, live from the Sports Closet Studio. Check them out online at sportscloset.ca. And as you know, I can't do this show alone. So let's bring in our pal, Liam Horobin, who is just dejected about that loss last night. Liam, are we sellers again? Yeah, I already put some mock trades together for Fogel. Got a couple for Kulak. Uh, yeah, Mark might actually have a little bit more value than we've when we've given him in the past couple of weeks. So I've got a couple of things there too that might see him go to a contender. But we'll get to that later on with Frank. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really dig into things with our boy Frank Cervalli. He's gonna swing by right at the midway point of the show on the Star Mechanical guest line. I'm expecting to hear a lot from everybody in the Charm Diamond Center's YouTube chat, including Anna, who says, What a run on to the next 16. Yeah, Anna was out at the party last night. At Greta, um, big, big shout out to everyone who came 
in attendance like Anna followed it up with. Last night's game felt like a playoff game and it absolutely did. Both the vibes inside Greta, we had the bar absolutely rocking on a Tuesday night. It was really fun doing pre and post with our boy AB. You see Lance Kane in the photo right here with M Burns, a couple of YouTube chatters in there. Uh, We had a great time at Greta. It's a shame the Oilers couldn't pull off the late game heroics this time, but they dropped the game 3-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, Liam, let's dig into things. I'm not upset about this, and I wasn't that upset about it last night. This streak had to come to an end eventually. And would it have been nice for the Oilers to tie the record and to beat the Vegas Golden Knights and get a big two points in what is ultimately a four-point swing? Sure. But last night, they played good. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They didn't come out of the gate slow or anything like that. They played really well. Sometimes you play really well, and you just don't win the hockey game. Yeah, they they were unfortunate, right? Like they hit they hit the post twice in the second yeah. period. They absolutely dominated them. I I thought they came out maybe a little slow to start the third, but also it was probably inevitable that Vegas was going to put them on the back foot a little bit, just the way that Edmondson dominated the second period. But overall, like good performance by the team. I don't think there's much to be super disappointed about from a, a team perspective. I think maybe a couple individuals could have been better in some places, but the worst part about it is you have been chasing Vegas and you had an opportunity to close that gap even more. And it slipped away from you in a game that you probably should have won when Vegas was missing two of their top players. Yeah. And we talked about that yesterday on, uh, on the short for giant pregame show, just the fact that, you know, no Eichel, no Theodore best D man, best forward or second best D man, second best forward. However you want to chalk those two up two really important pieces to that Vegas lineup. And Edmonton couldn't get it done. But at the same time, Liam, you sit and look. Shot attempts in that game at five on five were 71 to 44 for the Oilers. Edmonton outshot them. They had more scoring chances. Edmonton controlled the puck for the bulk of that hockey game. They just couldn't find a way to get one to bounce back past Aiden Hill. And he made some unbelievable saves. But there was also, I mean, hey, you got to be lucky to be good, good to be lucky. Like Dreisaitl's one-timer where Hill came across and I mean, it hit like the inside edge of his pad. Like he'll barely stop that one. That that's just the way that game went last night. And I don't, you can't blame Stuart Skinner. He only gave up two goals. I don't even think you can blame the Oilers because they poured a ton of heat onto Aiden Hill. That's just, again, a game where you didn't get the bounce. And there were so many times over this winning streak, whether you want to go back to those tight, tight wins over Montreal and Detroit and things like that, where remember in that Detroit game late in the game, Patty Kane got a, a spot or a shot squared up in the slot with like three minutes to go. I think it was. And he rang one off the bar. The streak almost ended there, but you got a lucky bounce and you can go through a bunch of games and find spots where the Oilers got the bounce and it allowed the streak to survive. Eventually your luck runs out a little bit. And in a sport like hockey, that it is an 82 game grind. There will be nights where luck just isn't on your side. Yeah. The, the dry side of one was, they just almost didn't get Hill to commit enough to the, to the pass to Ekholm, right? Like he didn't go far enough across and then pass almost came too quick, but you kind of needed to do that too. And then Hill stopped Kane right on the doorstep. And then there was another one where Kane, what well, he kind of, it was a bit of a weird one. He probably should have scored, but like Fogel was also on the goal line and Hill was on the goal line. It's just, it wasn't going their way. And they hit the post twice. Like we said, like the others have good chances to win this game. It wasn't meant to be, unfortunately, but there's been a lot of, I've seen some things today being like, the others can't beat Vegas. It's like, you already beat them this season. Like it's going to be a good rivalry. 
It's always going to be a tight game between the two of them. And it's more than likely going to be the Oilers' first round matchup. Hey, that is facts right there. It is probably a 60-70% chance that these two teams are going toe-to-toe in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. When you look at the fact LA is crumbling, Vancouver is just, they're not going to be caught. Let's be honest and be realistic here. Edmonton's not getting that top spot in the Pacific. The goal right now is to have home ice for round one against the Vegas Golden Knights. And the goal for the final 36 games of the Oilers season now is to make sure you are at your best to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in round one. Like. I like that you said that it's going to happen, man. These two teams are meeting early in the Stanley cup playoffs. So um, yeah, I, it's one of those nights. Uh, I want, I have a couple of other takes, but earlier today on daily face off live friend of this program, Luke Gazdick was on with myself and Colby Cohen. And he talked a little bit about this game and gave some really, really good insight. So I wanted to play a clip from our boy, Luke Gazdick breaking down the game. Let's take a listen. You run into a hot goalie. You don't get the bounces. What do you make of Edmonton's streak coming to an end? No, man, you got to look, give a lot of credit to Aiden Hill. Listen, like I know we're starting to create some mock rosters and lineups for this four nations cup coming up next year. And I, I understand that the U S probably has the hand on the goaltending with, and call it Hellebuck, Demko and Ottinger as your three. But as people start to curate these lineups, I want to see Aiden Hill in there and probably starting for team Canada. <laughs> This guy has just continued to impress since the cup run last year and into this year. He's a guy I saw in the minors. My last two years pro with San Diego, he was with Tucson. And every time we played him, it was 40 saves every night. And last night made some absolute circus saves. But this is what Vegas does, man. They're hiding in the weeds. They're doing it in the standings right now. Not a lot of people are talking about them in the Western Conference. We talk a lot about Vancouver and Winnipeg and Edmonton on the streak. Vegas sits back, they wait for you to make mistakes, and they feast on transition and turnovers. And that's what they did last night. Darnell and Cody Cece had a pretty good match. And then last night, you just lose a battle beneath the goal line. And before you know it, it's in the back of your net with this team. And I just, I know how frustrating it can be to put up 30 shots on a goaltender and two on one after two on one. And it's, it, it's save after save. I, I really did think they gave themselves a chance to win. Ty, I thought they got into the bit of the old oiler habit a bit where they were looking for 97 and 29 to drag them back into that one. I think their depth got a little exposed last night. Uh, I thought their bottom six could have been a little better and I'm usually pretty biased towards those guys. But, you know, if if they're going to want to have any success, that's the team they're going to have to go through. And that's the game they're going to have to play. You're probably going to have to win four out of seven, probably against that team to get out of, uh, to get out of the Western conference or even out of the Pacific division. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of a preview for what's to come. Yeah. A bit of a preview. Absolutely. Gave a lot of love to Aiden Hill in there. Another thing I want to talk about is just the way this golden Knights team plays. And I know I said the Oilers were the better team, so I don't want, anyone to think I'm going a different way with this or changing my tune. But I do think there's a little bit to be said when you look at the fact shot attempts were 71 to 44, but Vegas got in the lanes a lot. They blocked 26 shots in that hockey game. And there is something about the way Bruce Cassidy coaches where he is just totally okay. Having his team sit back and stay incredibly structured. And like the Oilers did last night, wave after wave after wave of attack and Vegas just sits there and takes it, man. They just bend and they bend and they bend and they never break. And when they're, when they do get possession after the Oilers have been running around for 40 seconds, if there's not a play, they will happily just flip it back out to center ice 
and let you regroup and come right back at them. They'll flip it or send it down, get a change in and say, all right, we got new guys on the ice. Come on again. And they just wait for you, the Oilers in this case, to make a mistake and they'll pounce on you in transition. It's it's really interesting to watch the way they play and watch that game last night where I go, the Oilers felt it felt like they just dominated that game at five on five. But at the same time, I just feel like sitting there going, did they just play into Vegas's hand where they just played on the perimeter? They threw shots on net from the outside and then Vegas just waited for them to make a mistake. Like it's a, it's a weird team to go up against. Well, I think the counter to it is that you have to play with a ton of speed and you can't allow them to get into the structure, right? You have yeah. to, you also have to capture, capture, what's the word? Catch them in transition. Like mm-hmm. you can't let them set up so quickly. Like they're not, they're not a super quick team. Like they're not slow by any means, but you saw that what, what the Oilers third line was able to do last night with the speed of Holloway and McLeod and the, the veteranness of Corey Perry. I thought that was a very effective line throughout the night is because they attacked, they attacked, they attacked. And you look at the, it's a bit different, but the penalty kill the Oilers had where they basically had five chances on goal versus Vegas. They just put them under a ton of pressure and they didn't let them set up for what they wanted to actually do. And, Look, it's tough to do that for 60 minutes, of course, especially against a team that just won the Stanley Cup. But I think if the Oilers want to beat Vegas in the playoffs, they need to just get them on the back foot. And they didn't do that enough last night. And you're right. like Vegas just got in the lanes and absorbed the pressure. And it's a team that did it for however many games it took them to win the Stanley Cup last season. And they're doing it again right now. They're, they're a very good team that shouldn't be underestimated. And I think when you look at that blue line, the top pair of Petrangelo and Alec Martinez, like just two guys who have been there and done it right. Like numerous times now. So they're, they're an elite team and the other's got to be better in the speed game if they want to beat them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The only spot I kind of disagreed with Gazdick is in the Oilers depth, just because I agree with you that I thought that third line was really, really good for the Oilers. Ryan McLeod had a couple of looks, including one. It would have been when they were going right to left. So that would have been the second period where, dude, he had a look coming in off the rush, used his speed and then didn't shoot the puck and brought it behind the net. And it was just like for that whole heater, Ryan McLeod was shooting that puck. And he was putting pucks on net. He was letting the traffic develop. He, he was doing a lot of good stuff. And then that play there is like, oh, that was the Ryan McLeod from earlier in the season. Like that play frustrated me. But they got their looks. Dylan Holloway had a couple of good opportunities. Yeah. I thought, like you said, Corey Perry working the puck behind the net was really, really good. I thought the Oilers depth was actually okay. They just needed a bounce at some point. I do think the Oilers stars were really, really good, though. You mentioned hitting them with speed and trying to, I guess, in a way, flip their game plan onto them. And that is kind of what the Oilers did on their lone goal of the night. It was a shorthanded goal, and it goes down as our moment of the game for Douglas Mattresses. Avoid pussy, pushy salesmen when getting your next mattress and order online with Douglas. It comes right to your door in a box, free shipping, coast to coast to coast, wherever you are. Improve your sleep. Even though I was upset about the Oilers last night, I slept like a baby on my Douglas mattress. You can order today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Douglas mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, ensuring the highest quality materials and fastest delivery to you. If you need a new mattress, why not support a locally owned and operated, not just Canadian company, Edmonton company as well. Uh, Liam, that shorthanded goal was electric. I mean, Connor and Leon getting a two on O. 
a big, big shout out to our boy Vinny DeHarnay on this one as well, as we're going to watch the play develop here on your screen. Look, Vegas was coming in and it's all about just pouncing on them and in a way, forcing them into a mistake. And Vinny just read that wonderfully, pushed it up. And Connor and Leon are always in attack mode. When Even when they're on the ice shorthanded, they are in attack mode. And look how quickly the two of them just flip their feet and head right back the other way on this one. It's like, poke, boom, they're both gone. And they're turned up yeah. ice a solid quarter of a second before any Vegas defender even realizes there's a threat. Yeah, it's it's the strength of the team, isn't it? The, the speed, and that's exactly what happened on this goal. And Vinny last night, boy, oh boy, what a game by the big man. He was yeah. he had that great pass through to Evander Kane as well. I thought he was sound defensively. And I'm going to float you a question, Tyler. Does Vinny DeHarnay deserve a bump up the lineup here? Because he is playing, he's been good now for quite some time. I think you could say 30 games, maybe that's a little bit too much somewhere around there. And it's like, you know, we see it every day. We talk about it every day. The inconsistency of Cody Cece. Do you give it a go? Do you see what happens if Vinny's up there with, with Nurse? Like, I'm, I'm very curious. It's something we haven't seen very often. Yeah, and I'll be honest, last night, I, and I'm someone who's, in a way, I guess, defended Cody Cece from some of his detractors as of late. Very hard to do that after watching him last night. I think he was one of the few Oilers who I wouldn't give a passing grade to for their play in that hockey game. But with Vinny, we have something that works in Vinny DeHarnay. Him and Kulak looked good last night. Him and Kulak have looked good for a while now. The Oilers' third pairing is a legitimate strength. So if you wanted to move him up and give him a look with Darnell Nurse, are you going to push him in over his head? Are you going to ruin something that's really, really working right now? I would be a little bit concerned with doing that. Do I think he's that much worse than Cody Cece or anything? No, not at all. And Anna says, test Nurse and Vinny duo this coming Friday. If there was ever a game to do it, then yeah, it's probably against the Anaheim Ducks, a team that has struggled for a large portion of this season. But I just don't think I'm there yet, man. And I think there's another side of it that is what's the best case scenario of that happening? Are, are you going to trust Nurse and DeHarnay to eat 22 to 24 minutes a game as a pairing in the playoffs? I don't see a scenario where you're going to be comfortable with that heading into the postseason. So last night, Cody Cece uh, just overall played 20 minutes and 32 seconds. And Vinny played 15 minutes and 28 seconds. So you, you're asking for a bump there, but maybe also there's, I don't know, maybe you try it in different, different scenarios, right? Like we didn't expect Vinny to be here for this long. All he's done since he's come to the NHL, he's basically proved everybody wrong that a seventh yep. round pick couldn't play in the NHL and, and all this stuff. So I think you give it a shot. Like people are saying like pump the brakes. It's like, well, what, what do you want? You know, like we're looking at this and we're talking about a guy who's played well for a long, long, a long time this season. I think he deserves maybe an opportunity. We're hesitant on having McLeod drive his line and he's doing well at, at that. And Holloway being a sentiment when he's played there, he's done well. I, I think he deserves an opportunity to see what it's all about. And maybe also, too, you get the best out of Cody Cece in that way, too. You take five minutes away from your worst defenseman, right? Let me read you Cody Cece's five on five stats from last night. So Cody Cece at five on five or even strength, whatever the hell you want to call it. I'm using five on five numbers though. He played 18 minutes and 12 seconds when he was on the ice. The Oilers outshot the opposition 10 to eight shot attempts 
were 25-14. And the Connor McDavid line was the third most common line that he was on the ice with. His most common line was the McLeod-Perry duo with Holloway. And then pretty much right there with them was the Kane, Fogel, and uh, Dreisaitl trio. Um, and then you had the McDavid-Newt-Hyman line. So I don't know, man. Like That last goal was... I blame if you're blaming anyone for that one, it's Cody Cece because yeah. he had a chance to actually make a play and prevent the goal and he didn't do it. So the frustration with Cece after last night is totally justifiable. I just, I worry about disrupting a good thing with Vinny and Kulak and someone in the chat here. I want to find it so I can give them proper credit. Um, will I be able to find it? But, Maybe but I think another layer of it too is just while you're looking like, What's more important, a strong top pair in defense or a strong third pair in defense, right? Like your fourth line's doing well. You're probably going to give them a couple more minutes to give them a chance to see what they do. But also you want your top players to be playing at the best. Like not worried about how the third line is, the third pair is doing, to be honest. I want Darnell Nurse to be in the best scenario. And I look, I don't know if Vinny's the answer, but I think you've got a month here to see to try and find some solutions and see what you can actually do. And it gives you a better idea of the roster you have post trade deadline. Yeah. Camus was the one who said, I don't like the idea of CC with Kulak. I think it puts too much pressure on Kulak with the breakouts. To be fair, Vinny doesn't pass the puck particularly well. So I, I don't know if that would necessarily be the case there. Dave says, what if Ekbush take the first pairing and nurse yeah. Vinny take the second pairing? Honestly, Ekbush have kind of been handling first yeah. pairing minutes for a while now. Like, I think anyone who's been watching these games knows that the most dependable pairing for the Edmonton Oilers is Matthias Ekholm and Evan Bouchard. And there was a weird amount of frustration with Evan Bouchard last night. I thought that was one of, it called me insane. I don't, I noticed him like four or five times make really good defensive plays or really good plays hustling back to negate a rush. I thought Evan Bouchard was really good last night and I didn't understand the hate going that way uh, from Oilers fans. So I think Ekholm and Bouchard are this team's top pairing. When you're talking about upgrading a Cody CC, you're trying to find a good top four guy to pair with Darnell Nurse. Could Vinny slide up into that role? May I'm open to it. I'm open to that idea. I'm just also nervous about breaking up Kulak Dayarnay. Well, I think just on the Bouchard thing, that I was someone who tweeted about Bouchard last night. I agree. I thought he was actually very good in his defensive zone and had a, a lot of good plays separating a man from parking, getting the puck back for the t- the Oilers. But there was a couple of times it's like, okay, buddy, you gotta you gotta speed up the process a little bit. Here. And one thing that'll just be no, he's not even Bouchard, but just any defenseman. If you make a bad play at the blue line, it's gonna result in something not so good happening, right? So it's always going to look a little bit worse. And if he does it or a forward does it halfway into the zone. So that was my frustration with him. It's just sometimes you got to pick up the tempo a little bit, but overall, like he was fine. It was just towards the end of the game because I wanted him to win 17 in a row, but it didn't happen. Didn't end up happening. Uh, Let's continue along with what you all have to say over in the Charm Diamond Center's YouTube chat. It is brought to you by Charm Diamond Center's proudly Canadian owned and operated since 1972 with their more than 85 locations across the country through Charm and their sister brands. Get a custom ring built and delivered in less than four weeks with the Charm Masterpiece program. And it all comes with an unbeatable pricing policy. Home of the Propose. Charm Diamond Centers. Um, Tyler Mulek said had to bear down when the net was empty. I agree. Like that's the one thing about Bush. I think you could criticize from last night is that um, K Wadi says Bush makes the first great move on the blue line, but then doesn't make a play or shoot. Yeah. I think last night, sure. Usually with Bush, no. I, I think we need to be able to separate what happened last night 
from what we've seen over the course of the last two months with a lot of areas of this team here. You know, I, again, the Oilers played good last night. They weren't great. That wasn't A+. Plus. I'm not going to try to sell you on that and say that it was, but I felt like that was their B+, plus, A- minus game. And a lot of nights, that's going to be good enough for you to get a win. Last night, it just didn't happen to go that way. So I'm, I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to sit here and rag on any one part of this game and be like, God, this sucked and this sucked and blah, blah, blah. Wake up call for management. Cause it, that just wasn't that. Now, if they lose to Anaheim LA back to back and it's a three game losing streak, maybe you sit there as Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson and go, okay, we got to figure something out here. But that game last night, that's not the one that's going to do it for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm curious. What do you think? Uh, a perfect partner would be for Darnell Nurse. Like what kind of player? Not necessarily who, but like, what do you think if the Oilers do go down that avenue of trying to upgrade on CC, like where should they be looking? Oh man, that is a great question. I really do think the archetype of a guy like Chris Tanev is a decent play. Like that's probably what you're looking for. The only thing I've ever pushed back on the idea of acquiring Tanev is I think Calgary is just going to make you pay out the ass for him to put it bluntly. You're going to have to severely overpay to get him out of Calgary. Cause if not, they'll just flip him somewhere else and send him out East to Toronto or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Tanev, someone who can break up the cycle, dependable in his own end is a better puck mover than a Cody CC. Like I think part of the reason CC and nurse can survive in air quotes is because Cody CC does kind of compliment nurse. Well, but you just need someone who's better than Cody CC in every area, a little bit quicker, a little bit better at breaking up the cycle, a little bit better at passing the puck. You just need better Cody CC. You don't need a totally different type of player. Yeah. So I, I prepped for this show, Tyler. Believe All right. it or not. That's so uh, I, was watching, I was watching Tanev and I'm going to make the obvious statement. I think he's the best option for the others to go and get. He's yeah. just, just steady Eddie, right? He's, the defender the Oilers need, and I think him and Nurse would complement each other quite well. Uh, I don't think Carrier would be anything the Oilers needed. I think he's almost like Cody Cece, but just a little bit quicker of a player. And then, but I was watching Sean Walker, and he, he's quite intriguing because he's very good at getting the puck moving back up the ice again and getting the play moving. And the Oilers want to be this quick transition team where they almost should probably want to be that team after seeing what happened to them against Vegas last night. Then like Sean Walker might be a better answer than maybe we've given him credit for. Granted, I don't know if I would give up. I don't know if I would give up the first round pick, but also if the first round pick is going to be like 31st or 32nd, then what does it really even matter? Defensive game isn't perfect by any means, but offense is as good as defense. If you have the puck and you're able to cycle through. So He's not bad, but my top option would be Tanev. And then I would go Sean Walker. And I don't know if I would look much further than that, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so then let me... I'll float this your way. It'll, we'll make it our Sherwood Ford Giant question for the day. Shout out to Sherwood Ford, the Giant. Find them online, SherwoodFord.ca to check out their extensive inventory of new and used vehicles. First and Walker for CC. Do you do it? First and CC for Walker. Sorry. Um, first and CC, the money basically just counters each other, right? Yeah, you'd like if they're willing to take on CC, it it actually doesn't just cancel. You'd gain a little bit of flexibility. Uh, do you know what I would say to them? Yes, but they need to retain a little bit. 
because you're giving him a you're giving him a good player. Like, like we can say whatever we want about CC, but he's good. Like he's an NHL defenseman at the end of the day, and he yeah. has value. Playing top pair minutes every single night, like feel like you're giving up a lot there. So you need to say, okay, you need to give me some value back in Walker as well by retaining some money and giving us more flexibility at the deadline. Yeah, because I think, I mean, if you're shaving off 2 million bucks, right? Like there is value in that. And I do like Walker. And you lose a year of CC as well, which gives you more flexibility in the summer. But you got to replace them then this summer. And it's hard to find that kind of guy for 3.2 million bucks. But also you could just run the season if you really wanted to with your top four. Say you give Vinny that money and your top four is Econ, Bush, Vinny, Nurse for however long. And then get your third pairing guy and then the deadline you look to upgrade some way or another, right? Yeah, like you flip Broberg over to the right side and are you okay going into next year with Bush, Vinny, Broberg as your right side? They basically did that last season when they just played Broberg every night, right? And before they traded Barry. And then they had to go get Ekholm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Easy peasy. Interesting. Uh, based Ekholm says, Sean Walker, two playoff games, 5'11". Let's aim higher. I mean, if you're if you're going to come out and knock Sean Walker, I think we need to do it with a little bit better than just saying he's only ever played in two playoff games and he's 5'11". Like, come on, we can be a little bit better than that. If, if you have an actual reason why you don't like Sean Walker, then sure. I have said, again, I like the player. I think... He's a guy that would make the Oilers better. But if it's a first that you're giving up, I want an Ekholm style addition. Someone who's going to be a true, true difference maker impact kind of guy. I think Sean Walker is a good player, but obviously not in that Ekholm tier. Uh, fighting Amish is Sean Dursey an upgrade on Cody Cece. I think Sean Dursey is a really good young defenseman. I, I like him. Um, I think I like him better than I like Sean Walker, 25 years old. I know him and Walker kind of similar ages or whatnot. Pending RFA, so you'd have some sort of control over him. I don't know. Would Arizona be open to that? Right shot? Maybe. What was... You know, I'm not good at my history, Tyler, with this team. What was Nurse and Barry like? That wasn't a perfect combination, was it? Wasn't perfect, no. I'm just curious. Like, I think Walker's probably better than... My point is, more I, I reliable think you, defensively than Tyson Berry for sure. Yeah, and I think you, if you hypothetically did the scenario where you had Nurse and then more offensive kind of guy, you're just asking Nurse to be the defensive, more defensive player on that, right? And I think yeah. that works well for him as well. Like you saw last night, that he made that unreal play where he just like hunted the guy down and just one whack, and the puck was off that guy's stick. Like he's a good, he's a great defenseman for us, and I, I think you. If you get a defenseman next to him who's more mobile, then I yeah. think you, you got something going there for you. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Like I and people were saying, you know, Nurse CC was was bad, I believe. I think it was just kind of similar to Nurse and CC in a way, in the sense that like there were things that Barry brought to the table that helped Darnell Nurse. The fact that he could make a really good first pass helped Darnell Nurse. That you just needed someone who was a little bit better in the D zone. And with CC, maybe it's the exact reverse. I know he's not great in the D zone either, but you probably just want someone who can move and move the puck a little bit better than him. And then it's like, okay, that pairing would suddenly fit together more, right? Yeah. Uh, why is Kyle keep saying Savard? Montreal came out the other day and said, Dan, not moving Savard. Also, Savard, probably not a good option right now. No, I don't think he can move well enough to, to make that a worthwhile addition. So that's not happening. <laughs> 
Uh, Ryu Street Fighter says all-star break killed the momentum. I don't know, man. I, Vegas also had an all-star break. Like I, I'm not buying the ended momentum thing. Cause again, they played well last night. They kind of carried over their momentum. They showed they're still a good team who can hang in these low scoring games and dominate possession at times at five on five. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the all-star break killed their momentum or anything crazy like that, but the winning streaks over. You look to restart again. I know a lot of people were saying you had an eight game heater. Now you had a 16 game heater. So what's next? 24, 32. Could they just run the table to close out the season? Who knows? Probably not, but probably, uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. You're going with that. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you got to be optimistic. Um, Aiden O'Neill says, what about Pesci? If Carolina can't resign him before the deadline? Um, no, I don't think Carolina is going to move him regardless. They're trying to win a Stanley cup. That's an internal rental. If you want to call it that, they're not just going to move Pesci for a pick and a prospect while they're in the middle of trying to win a Stanley cup, you know, um, bring Cassian home. Does Ken want Chikrin? Uh, he doesn't forget about his previous targets. I'm going to say Chikrin's not the guy you want to put uh, next to Darnell. And I think that could be just a little bit too chaotic for my liking. Wise Kyle says Pulak. No way the Islanders are going to move that guy with all that term left on his deal. So there's just no way. We're also, I think, looking too high up the standings. Like it's too, we've said it basically every time Frank has come on the last month, I think there's just so many teams that you don't really know if they're good or bad. Like there are all these just a lot of teams still in the mix. Like you look in the West, it's probably every team, but what San Jose and Anaheim and Chicago that are probably the legit sellers. Like maybe Minnesota sneak into that, that group eventually. But for now, like it's not I I don't think it's a buyer's market. Yeah. All right. Uh, Star Mechanical, one of Edmonton's number one plumber, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. You can find out more about them at starmechanical.ca. If you need to schedule an appointment, let them help you keep your home running smoothly this winter. They've been working in the Edmonton community for more than 20 years, and they are the sponsor of the Star Mechanical guest line, which brings us to our boy, Frank Saravalli. Frank, we are mourning the loss of the 16 game winning streak. But last night, I honestly thought the Oilers kind of played well. And of course, we had the trolls like Johnny Lazarus going saying, oh, look what happened when the Oilers finally played a good team. But I thought the Oilers played a good team pretty well last night. They just didn't get the bounces. You know better than to listen to Johnny. I know. What I would say is why, why I was just surfing social media. What What's up with the belly aching? 16 wins in a row? Like why you can't have nice things? It's okay to lose a game every now and again. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like Aiden Hill played fantastic last night. Oilers had 71 shot attempts. Like there was a lot that they did well. But I also look at that Vegas team and go, man, when they're at their best, that is a system that even though the Oilers had 71 shot attempts, it is hard to get quality looks on that Vegas team. They're going to be, despite their struggles for a month in December and early January, they're still going to be a damn tough outcome spring. Yeah, I think what it is is a reminder that in the Oilers case, it doesn't really matter how you looked in October and for the golden Knights, what you looked like in between November, December, and the first part of January, it it matters how you finish the golden Knights. The scary part is they're, they're likely going to get significantly healthier as the year goes on. And they're going to be well positioned to not just be a tough out, but to really be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the playoffs. Like think about the amount of time that Hill has missed this year. Think about now the time that Jack Eichel is missing Shea Theodore. Like 
don't overlook the Golden Knights would be my my message to Oiler fans, and not that anyone would after the way last year played out, but this team is is going to be in a great spot. And the Oilers and Golden Knights are on an absolute collision course for a first round playoff matchup. Like, I'll be honest, I don't think any of them or either of them have the horses to catch Vancouver. You look at the run the Oilers were on and they barely were able to close the gap on the Canucks or close it at all, really. And L.A.'s floundering. We'll see what their kind of back third of the season look like. But it really does feel like we're getting Edmonton Vegas. Yeah, and it's... As well as Edmonton has played, I would right now, February 7th, I would handicap that first round matchup if that's what it is as a quite legitimate coin flip. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. They've split the first two games of uh, of the season now in their season series. They got one more meeting before the end of the year. We're going to talk to you about some trade stuff in a bit, Frank. But first, you've been all over what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes. Great piece up at dailyfaceoff.com. You had an update tweet later on or earlier on this morning, I should say. What's the latest with Arizona and when can we expect maybe more news there? This is a story that has sort of been percolating under the surface for a while that reached closer to the top with the comments from Marty Walsh, the executive director of the NHLPA on Friday after the announcement of the Olympics and the four nations face off. I mean, he said point blank that the coyotes have blown through two different artificial deadlines. And Gary Bettman said point blank that we're going to get news at some point in the next few weeks. And sources indicate to me that we could get some of that news and or an announcement as soon as this weekend with the Super Bowl. What better time to, you know, potentially release some, some news that's unsavory for the league and or coyotes fans than during the biggest sporting event on the planet. Um, Not saying that's a guarantee. And part of the reason why that isn't a guarantee is because the coyotes keep trying. They're trying to, to get a state land grant deal uh, to auction to buy a parcel of land to, to build an arena. Now, will they be successful? I think that's the toughest part of this equation is it might take them a full calendar year to be successful. You've got to go through the whole process, studies, appraisals. Uh, it needs to be publicly listed for auction for 90 days then someone could also come in at the very end and outbid you for the land. So my point is, and this is really the crux of the Coyotes issue with the NHL is they can say that they're going to try and buy state trust land, but until they actually complete the transaction, they're nowhere. And more than that, once that happens, they're still two to two and a half years away from actually getting an arena built and and etc so really what the nhl has said to them is you you don't have unlimited runway here you it's not just forever you can't play in in mullet arena as cool as it is for fans to drop in as you guys will be on the nation vacation that's that's not that's not something that is just gonna be there forever for you to love and hold and cherish you're gonna need to move on to a real nhl arena and like marty walsh said yeah i mean you can get land, but it could be 10 years before you're playing on that land. When you look at all the different issues as well, Liam, did you have some, I, I guess a bit of a follow-up to it. So hypothetically, if they were to leave and go wherever, like you've mentioned the possibility of them coming back eventually, if that was to happen, like what, how far away from that do you think we could even be? 
Like, is it all dependent on what happens in the next couple of days and on how uh, their arena stuff goes, I guess? So this is my personal opinion, and it, it's not necessarily reporting or anything like that. I personally think with all that the Coyotes have been through, bankruptcy, receiverships, the league running the franchise for a period of time, all of the losing that they had, this is going on two decades of the Coyotes being more or less an absolute joke to be an NHL franchise that I think they need to move on. I think they need to pull up stakes, get this team somewhere else, play in an NHL size building, whether that's in Salt Lake city or Houston or wherever rebrand team as it relocates, they're not going to be the Salt Lake city coyotes. They're going to be whatever. And then five years from now, once you have a new arena built, once you have an owner who for once is flush with cash and actually pays his bills, then as the league considers moving from 32 to 34 teams, make Phoenix one of those spots. Like I don't have any doubt that a properly run organization can do well in Phoenix. It's extremely wealthy. It's a great place to live. It's the fourth biggest city in the U.S., Keep going down the list. There's a lot of reasons. There's a ton of Canadian snowbirds that come in from Alberta. There's no reason to not have a team there. It's just there's so much fatigue in the market. Again, the Coyotes fans don't want to pay their money to see that team. And until they move on from that, I think that's ultimately what's contributing to their lack of success. And so the answer, the long answer is what makes sense in the short term. I I can't help but look at a league approved press release that comes out from Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah jazz Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, we can have a team up immediately. We're going to put them in the same building as the jazz. And then we're going to build a new arena for both teams, the jazz and whatever team we get. And then, you know, we can have also in time to host the salt Lake city Olympics in 2034. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's spend the back half of the appearance here talking about trades. Frank, you know, that's what we love here on the show. And your latest deadline countdown article is about Sean Walker and the idea of his price tag being a first round pick. We know the Oilers are on the hunt to upgrade this team is using the first on Sean Walker. Like I just have a tough time thinking that's a smart player to use a first round pick on. Am I crazy? Not crazy. And and I would argue that the market really doesn't support it. And based on the deep dive that I did on his game, that story is it's going up right now on dailyfaceoff.com. I sent you earlier today, a list of all the defensemen in the last calendar year that have gone for a first round pick. And here it is. Eric Carlson, Ivan Provorov, Jacob Chikrin, Dmitry Orlov, Philip Ronick, Vladislav Gavrikov, Matthias Ekholm, Rasmus Sandin, and Jake McCabe. I'm sorry. Sean Walker doesn't fit that profile of being as impactful as any of these guys. So you might say, okay, well, what about Rasmus Sandin? Okay, but Sean Walker is seven years older than Rasmus Sandin, who's more productive offensively, and Sandin's under team control and had first-round pick pedigree. Jake McCabe, he has two more years, probably the same impact as Walker, two more years on his deal on the Blackhawks, ate half of his $4 million salary to bump it down to two. So you tell me which one of these defensemen on this board is Sean Walker better than none of them. That's correct. That is the correct answer. So 
my trade comp in the story, it's not apples to apples, but it's Sean Dursey going for a second round pick. 10 out of 10 teams in the summer would have taken Dursey over Sean Walker, who was a salary cap dump. And I know that Walker has played against quality competition for the Flyers, but that's more of an indictment on what the Flyers don't have than it is on the quality of player that Walker is. And now I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that aside from being a top end skater, I can't really tell you what Sean Walker does exceptionally well. And if I'm the Oilers and if I'm giving up my first round pick or any team, it it would have to be for someone that for me takes this team to another level. And I can't guarantee it, but I'm pretty sure that Sean Walker doesn't. So then would Chris Tanev in your opinion? And as I get your take on Chris Tanev, let me float you this one from Riley who says what the idea of there being an Oilers tax that Calgary would want more. Do you buy that? And do you think Tanev could be a fit? Was there an extra tax to make two trades this year with the Vancouver Canucks? I don't think but isn't so. Isn't Edmonton Calgary a little different? Why? Because you're in the same province. Like, what's the yes. difference? You hate each other? Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I get it, but not really. I don't. I, I think in actuality, there probably isn't. And I think Tanev is also in the second round pick category. I just showed you what the market was for first. Is Chris Tanev better than any of those guys? I think he's, isn't he kind of like a Gavrikov in terms of yeah. impact and value? Okay, but he's six years older than Gavrikov. Good point. <laughs> I just like, the, you have to do apples to apples. That's the way this works. And he's, he doesn't move as well. Like he doesn't defend as well. Uh, he He's a king at blocking shots. He puts his body on the line. He's apparently a great guy in the room. All those things are important as playoff experience. I just, I don't. And in fact, my understanding is the flames aren't asking for a first round pick. They're asking for a second. So um, that sort of gives you an indication that my market valuation is on point. Yeah. Do, do you think it's even worth the Oilers trading for a right-handed shot defenseman then if the market's kind of, so if he like, I kind of look to it and I don't think Cody CC is perfect by any means. And I think those guys could make them better, but like how much better, I guess is the question, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think that's the perfect way to phrase it. Cause that's what I mentioned in the story when I was talking about some of the potential suitors is yeah. I mean, I could see the Oilers being interested in Sean Walker, but the question you'd have to ask yourself is how much of an improvement is he on CC? And Really, if like when we've had this discussion before, if the Oilers are going to reshape their defense, the guy that I'd like to see in the mix is Broberg and swap him out for Kulak. And then you can have some money to play with on your cap, two million bucks. That's sort of my thought process. And I'm like, CC is he's not flashy, but he's also gotten the job done and he's been pretty efficient. So you ever hear that phrase like don't bleep with happy? That's kind of how I feel about this. This Liam says no. <laughs> uh, don't don't leave with happy. That's kind of how I feel about the Oilers decor right now. Like, if you're gonna take the bat off your shoulder, swing for a home run, not a single. 
That's kind of what I said earlier, too. Like, if you're going to give up the first, might as well throw in a prospect and might as well swing big like you did on at home. Don't just go halfway with this kind of thing. Uh, we flashed up the top 10 trade targets there, and there's this sense that, you know, trade market's not that strong. You look at that list, not that strong. Do you think maybe there's a chance in the next month and one day, I guess, is really all we have left until the deadline that some teams will sit there and go, whoa, Philly might get a first for Sean Walker. Anaheim might get a first for Adam Henrique you know what? Maybe we are sellers. Like, could this market flip in the next month? Or do you think we're locked into this really being a seller's market? No, I I think we're pretty locked in with where we're at. I mean, when push comes to shove, I still think the blues and the Preds and the Yotes and the wild, all these teams that Liam was talking about, right. As I joined in, like they're probably 99 per 95% sure going to be considering offers on their players, whether they're rentals or guys with term, like they're just, they're in the mix for a playoff spot, but not authentic teams to do any damage. And so you're really just kind of kidding yourself. Yeah. Uh, what do I just quickly? Cause I saw his name there. I think Vlad Tarasenko is a guy that the others could be a fit in Edmonton. They could use some help on the right side. Goal scorers played on some long playoff runs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see it. Um, I also think he wasn't super impactful last year for the Rangers. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Sometimes it's just fit. He's been pretty good for the Sens this year. And I can tell you that talking to some people that have, have seen him up close and personal, he's actually been really impactful on their team. And I know that sounds funny to say for one that's vastly underachieved, but a bunch of those young guys have looked to him to be a guiding light along with Claude Giroux that, um, you know, they'll, they're still very likely to move him, but it's, it's not a guarantee. And they've been pretty happy with what he's brought to the table so far. Yeah. All right, Frank, there you go. Daily Faceoffs, Frank Saravalli every Monday to Friday on Daily Faceoff Live as well. 10 a.m. Mountain. You can catch Frank and I doing that. Also, new episode of the DFO Rundown tomorrow. Frank's everywhere, and he's on our show every Wednesday. Thanks for doing this, Frank. Shout out to the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Go crew. Big game tonight. Of the BCHL. There you go. Frank Saravalli on the Star Mechanical guest line. You can find him online at starmechanical.ca. Yeah, you guys got your schedule for the BCHL. We are a BCHL team and proud. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get to what should we do next on the show, Liam? Should we My play game. Liam's game? Yeah, we got to play Liam's game. game. We don't have a lot of time left. If you are new and you don't know how Liam's game works, here's what we do. He's got two mystery players for us. The first one is easy. The second one is more of a challenge. If you're the first one to get the easy one in the YouTube chat, you go into a draw for a $25 Nation Gear GC. If you're one of the first three people to get the challenging one right, you also go into that draw. So four of you go into a draw. One of you wins $25 to Nation Mm -hmm. Gear. Liam's game is brought to you by Wendy's. The bacon portobello mushroom melt is back, but only for a limited time. You can order it today on Wendy's or by visiting the Wendy's app. Download it. Start earning some points. Make your lunch work for you in a very weird way. Shout out to Wendy's. Liam, let's go. All right. Let's get into it with the easy one. I played over a thousand games in the NHL. I played for four teams. I've never won a Stanley Cup, but I've played over 90 playoff games. I am a former first round pick. At first, I thought you were going to try trick me off the jump and give us Corey Perry, but he has won a Stanley Cup. So it's not Corey Perry. I've played for four NHL teams. Mm Mm-hmm. So it can't be Gagne. He's a bit too high for that. I think I have my answer. I am going to throw it right here. I'm going to throw it in our private chat, Liam. Okay. Did I get it? Hold on. I haven't opened it that quick with technology. No. I did not no. get it. Cogliano Stanley Cup. Didn't he win it with Colorado? Oh, yeah. He does have one now. Um, did, so, did anyone in the chat get it yet? Yes. Was it Lance Kane? It was Lance Kane. Not a boy, Lance. Ryan Smith Ryan was Liam's Smith. first mystery player. There you go. I thought uh, I like sometimes giving the very obvious ones I might not get. So hey, the, Lance, the you're in the draw. Lance you're is in the draw. Okay, tough one now. Let's go. Okay. I was a second round pick in the mid 2000s. I played for two NHL teams. I played only two seasons with Edmonton. I spent most of my career in Europe. I am still playing today. Okay. So I had a guess right off the jump, but okay. it's going to be negated because he was actually a first round pick. Yeah. It's not Robert Nielsen. If you were thinking of guessing Robert Nielsen, it is <laughs> no, not, not him. Um, a second round pick in the mid 2000s. That's a tough one. Yeah. I don't only know. This season's ever in two. It's not Yakubov. You may remember him going first overall. People. Yeah. <laughs> not Matt Green, but I did look at Matt Green today. Ooh, so maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. Not Slapashev. Uh, not no. Omar. Mid 2000s. So are you talking like what? what's your range for mid 2000s? Like 2003 to 2006? Uh, yeah. 2007. I would say that's my mid is 2003 to 2007. Okay, 2003 to 2007. Um, someone said Linus Omark. Um, no, uh, not Slapashev either. I believe he was actually like 2011, 2012 Slapashev. 
Yeah, Omark was a fourth round pick back in 2007. Um, it wasn't Colby Cohen. He was also taken in the second round of the 2007 <laughs> NHL draft. But sadly, Colby does not fit the criteria of having played on the Oilers. Has anyone gotten it in the chat yet, Liam? No. Um, I'll, no, it's not Aaron Guest, Anton Lander. Not Anton Lander. I'll give you guys another clue. The Oilers yeah. did not draft him. Interesting. So he was drafted somewhere else and then came to Edmonton. Part of me wanted to quickly go, ooh, Jeff Petrie, but no, he played on too many teams for that one. Um, oh, wait. Do I have him? Oh, Liam, I got him, buddy. I got him. Are you sure? Let me see. Oh, you, you got him. Let's go. Did I beat everybody? Everybody. No one has guessed it. Uh, no not one's got it yet. Um, here, I, I, to speed it up, I'll give you all another clue. He was drafted by the same team that drafted Miko Koskinen. Ah, there we go. That should give it away. He was a UFA ad, as I adjust how I sit awkwardly on camera. <laughs> he was a UFA ad. He, I think he had like an unreal preseason as well. I um, believe so. Okay, giddy up, giddy up. Once we get to three people who've got it right, we're going to close her off and we'll do our draw. <laughs> I don't want to say if someone's got it yet because I don't want people to just Copy. find that common. I want I you need to guess his people, earn something. Come on. Yeah. Not to buy his reader. You're the drafted a- reader, didn't they know? Yeah, they did. That is a great pull by you. And the fact that we're stumping as many people as we are, not Ryan O'Mara, not James Neal. Calvin Pickard's given up. Ennis, I don't know, man. <laughs> Ryan O'Mara was a first round pick. He was a first round pick. He was that year where they had, didn't they have three first round picks or something like that? Yes. Gagne, um, Plant, okay. and O'Mara. So two people have said it in the chat. I'll give you that. We're kind of, we're not. All right. Here. One more and we're closing her off. Come on, you guys. Come on. It's not we're Chris Pronga. Oh. <laughs> A second round crazy. pick in the mid two thousands. Uh, Daki said, "Does the clue apply to Koskinen?" Uh, I guess technically yes, but he is a forward, not a goaltender. <laughs> Whoops! Oh yeah, Miko Koskinen would be a great. Uh, there you go, Dave. Go. Yes, he yep. owns Sue. Yes, he owns Sue. The preseason <laughs> goat. Yes, he owns Uh Boy, Liam, that is uh, that's a hell of a pull. You made us work for Liam's game today, buddy. That is so funny how that is basically I just described Miko Koskinen. Accidentally. I, I did think about that a couple weeks ago. I'm like, what if there's a day where it applies to multiple people? Well, but- well original Pooza said it a couple of weeks ago. Is that you could describe many people this way, which I have. So Okay, so we have Lance, uh, Zach Hedstrom, Brett Rutherford, and Dave something with a Z. Um, so I will spin the wheel. Spin that wheel. This way. Might be easier if you start doing it on your phone. You just like hold up your phone. No way. This is the way I've always done it. It's the way I will continue. <laughs> big money, big money, no whammies. Kane is the winner. Hey. And he got it for getting Ryan Smith. I feel bad for the guys <laughs> who got Yessie Owens who don't win a prize. <laughs> Lance Kane, email me, Tyler at the nation network.com. You've won yourself $25 to nation gear, courtesy of the game. And Hey, there's Lance last night at the watch party as well. Shout out to Wendy's download the Wendy's app today. If you're a loser in the daily face off survivor game, like me, 
You can be a winner at lunchtime with Wendy's and the bacon portobello mushroom melt. Actually, uh, my, my, it did not apply to Mikko Koskinen because he was drafted in 2009, not the mid-2000s. There you go. That's a big one. That's a big little uh, hurdle to clear. Uh, okay, let's move along. We have a couple of things we got to get through rapid fire to wrap up today's show, including the service credit union mock trade of the day. The service big share is back for the sixth year with your chance to win a very real $1 million just by saving money. Anyone can enter by becoming a member and saving with service. Every $500 saved gives you five entries into the service big share contest. You can transfer your existing savings to service for extra chances to win that $1 million. Contest ends April 30th, 2024. Skill test required for full rules. Visit service.ca slash win. Liam, the money is real, but this trade is fake. Who says no? Third round pick in 2025 and Tyler Tulio for Anthony Duclair at 50% retained. Do you like Duclair as a potential deadline target for the Oilers? Uh, No, I don't think I do. I don't know where he would fit in the lineup, right? Because he's a middle six winger. Um, Yeah. I feel like, like obviously we had our big debate yesterday, but if you're going to upgrade in that middle area, I think you just try and get someone better than Fogel or Kane, right? And kind of push everyone down a little bit there. So no, I would not. I don't like, I don't dislike the trade by any means. I just don't think he's a fit for Edmonton. I think if you're an hour away from the deadline on deadline day and you haven't done anything and San Jose says, Hey, we just want to get something for him. Let's do it. Yes. Would I do that trade today? No, because I want to see the Oilers try aim higher for the next month. But if on March 8th at one o'clock mountain or whatever, Ken and Jeff Jackson are sitting in their office going, we don't have anybody. That's your guy. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree. People are saying you need someone on your fourth line. Yeah, I don't know if, if Duclair is someone like that. I think he's similar to Warren Fogle, if we're being honest. Yeah, but you, it was uh well, it's the devil you know. You know what yep. you're going to get with Fogel. You I can would, have them I'm, both. This isn't like a trade oh, Fogel yeah. trade player, right? For sure. For sure. All right. That I move, oh, go I ahead. Say, I want to move Fogel out of that second line for Duclair. Yeah. All right. There you go. That is a wrap on today's edition of the Service Credit Union Mock Trade. We're not done the show yet, though. The menu for DoorDash, 25% off zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Enter the promo code up at the top of your screen, Nation25. A new episode of our new show, The Notebook, dropped yesterday. It's with Coomzy, Zach, Aaron, our new intern. Eli edits it up. We gave our intern a full show to edit. Congrats to Eli. Um, But new episode of The Notebook up now on the Oilers Nation YouTube. So go get that in you, Liam. It's a nice show. Coomzy and Zach are smart guys. They break down kind of three big stories or topics from around the NHL. Gets you caught up on things going on outside of Edmonton with that Oilers twist on it. It does. It's a good show. It's uh, it's a good thing we've got going on there leading up to the deadline. Keep you informed. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to be subscribed to the Oilers Nation YouTube. Go watch the latest episode of The Notebook after we wrap up this show, which is happening right now, Liam. A big shout out to Sports Closet and the Sports Closet Studio. Charm Diamond Centers for the YouTube chat. Moment of the game for our friends at Douglas Mattresses. The Sherwood Ford Giant question. Sherwood. Ford, the giant service credit union, Frank Cervalli for coming in on the star mechanical guest line, DoorDash, Betway and Wendy's as well. Tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow? We're ranking our deadline options. You had an idea. Yeah, I think we should do maybe like three people. We want the others to acquire the deadline, like realistic targets. Because obviously we would love like Gensel, Hayes and Tanev, but is that going to happen? Probably not. 
Okay, so we are ranking our realistic deadline options for the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. So look forward to that on the show. Chat with everybody then. Have a good Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow, noon mountain time. Thank you for watching Oilers Nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.